Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. friends and welcome on into episode 173 of the Sco show mark schofield back in the big chair for today monday february 8th 2021 it is another mock draft monday in the second segment of the show you will have my mock draft our first seven round patriots mock draft from yours truly in the third part of the show your mock drafts from this week thank you for submitting those but of course we will start with super bowl 55 that's where we will kick things off. Um, before we do that, a couple of things first. Your usual cavalcade of reminders. Follow along with the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. As well as Matt Waldo's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. The three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and Pat's Pulpit. USA Today Touchdown Wire, where Doug Farrar and I, if I don't say so myself, absolutely crushed Super Bowl week, the playoffs, this entire postseason, the game itself. Like we cranked out I don't I don't know how many like film breakdown type pieces I wrote like in the moment. Like for those of you that were Seinfeld fans and you remember that when George had the Frogger game and he had the flashback to like the night that he was just like in the zone when he set the high score and he wanted to get that Frogger machine. That's kind of how I felt during this game where like I literally pushed send on a key observations from the first half. Doug asked me to do a film breakdown of the next of the three touchdowns that the, the Tom Brady threw in the first half. And I had it done in like six minutes. I was just in the zone. It was just one of those moments. Um, so I hope you followed along with some of that work. If not check it out, because by the time this drops, I already have three pieces set for tomorrow morning. I, I have done a lot of work. That's all I'm saying. Um, so check that out. Um, to that end, before diving into Super Bowl uh, 55, going to be just one show this week and one show next week because taking a little time, taking a little trip, little vacation with the family, where are we going in the midst of a pandemic? To an island in the middle of nowhere. We're just the four of us. We're not exactly going anywhere. We're just kind of getting out of the house. We're, we're taking what, we're, what we do and just moving it to a different house in the middle of nowhere, away from all of civilization. But as such, I'm not going to be near a computer. Um, and frankly, I need a little me time. Um, so you won't get a show uh, later this week, and there will be no uh, Mock Draft Monday next week. I'll be back for a show later next week. But it's been a long season. It's been a grind. Papa Bear needs some Papa Bear time. Um, but the reason why... We can do that is because the NFL season, as you know, is over. 
Uh, Tom Brady gets his seventh. And I think the only way to really think about this game is, is to frame it this way. I was on a show, um, Turn on the Jets, their draft season podcast, Sunday morning. Uh, D.A. Osorio, uh, Dalvin Osorio, um, Joe B., uh, Michael M., they could do great work. I was We had a fun chat about the Jets and everything, what the Jets might do it too. Um, but then, of course, they got me on the record for the for the Super Bowl. And, you know, I said what I said here. If you look at the the four potential outcomes of this game, right? Chiefs blowout, Chiefs close win, Buccaneers close win, Buccaneers blowout. Everybody thought three of the four was probable, right? You might see a, a Chiefs blowout. You might see a Chiefs close win. You might see a, a Buccaneers close win. Nobody really had option four, which was Buccaneers blowout. And that's what we got. I mean, I tweeted at the end of the third quarter, everybody had 31-9 Tampa Bay after three, right? I don't think anybody saw that coming. And I think, yeah, Tom Brady won MVP. The MVP of that game, in my mind, was either Shaq Barrett or Todd Bowles. Or the simple fact that the Chiefs had to play with a patchwork offensive line. Because... They were in Patrick Mahomes' lap almost from the first offensive play that Kansas City ran where they were the little like RPO-type look and Shaq Barrett knocked Mahomes down. That set the tone for the entire night. Mahomes was running for his life. He was pressured. He was flustered. He was never comfortable back there. I wrote midway through the fourth quarter why Shaquille Barrett should be the MVP of Super Bowl 55. And that's what I firmly believe. Or Todd Bowles, who put together this game plan to get pressure with four, to play with the coverages in the secondary. But I do think that he was able to have that game plan because he knew with the guys up front, he could get pressure with those four against those offensive linemen. Now, on the other side of the ball, when, when the Buccaneers had the football, I think Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady did a great job at sort of winning the chess match. There was a fantastic play in the drive where Fournette had the touchdown run to make it 28-9. There was a third down conversion that I think was kind of critical to that game. Because, you know, you could see a window in that moment for the Chiefs, right? They had gone down the field. They get a field goal on the opening drive to make it 21-9. If you get a three and out and you go down the field and score, maybe you get a, get a touchdown. Then it's suddenly a, a five-point game. You get the field. That window was opened a bit. And then there was that third down conversion where Spagnolo shows pressure. And Brady, who's an empty in the gun, brings Gronkowski back into the wing he adjusts the protection. He takes Gronk out of the route. Says, look, we might get blitzed here. I need you to help. I need you to stay in and block. And that's exactly what Spagnuolo wants. Because he doesn't bring pressure. He rushes four, drops seven. And now with Gronk blocking, you've got seven over three receivers in the secondary. And they drop into what looks to be, I haven't seen the All-22 yet, but watching it live and then the various replays I watched to write a piece about it, 
it looked like they dropped into just basic soft cover two. But I said they had three receivers, right? Because three became four. Brady saw them drop and was like, fine. I will just check this down. Your linebackers and say everybody's dropping. I'm going to check it down to Fournette. Third and five. I'll take a two-yard throw. He picks it up, moves the chains, wins the chess match. Then a couple of plays later, they run a little play-action design. They pull guard from right to left. Looks like run. Everybody stays down. He hits Gronk up the middle for a huge gain. What does he do the next play? Pulls a guard from left to right. Maybe they're thinking pass because they just saw it. They hand it to Fournette. Touchdown. That sequence of plays right there was enormous for this game. Now, of course, in the aftermath, everybody's talking legacy. And what does this mean for Brady? What does it mean for Mahomes? Um, you know, there's time to do that. But I think it is fair to take a moment and just appreciate Tom Brady. And we've done it for years. And what was interesting to see in some corners of the football world was Brady become a bit of an underdog again. Brady become the player that maybe some people were rooting for again. Um, now that he's out of New England, now that he's you know, trying to fight back father time, stare father time down in the distance and make that sun key stay a little longer in the sky uh, to steal a line from Vince Scully from For Love of the Game. And Brady did it tonight. And it's just a, a, a tremendous storyline, a tremendous career. Two Hall of Fame careers, really, from Tom Brady. That first dynasty run and the second dynasty run. And now into Tampa Bay. Seven Super Bowl rings. That's unheard of. But the man that has brought us so many unheard of moments before brings the football world yet another one. Other observations, the commercials were a letdown. I'm, unless I missed something... I thought the Ashton Kutcher Mila Kunis commercial was fun. Um, yeah, I mean, the Tracy Morgan insurance company commercials, I thought the, I liked the premise of those. Um, wasn't really blown away. I, didn't, I don't know if we hit the over on the puppies. I saw a couple of puppies. There was the, the new flavor of Mountain Dew. There was like a melon Mountain Dew puppy. Does that count? There were a couple of robot puppies. Do those count? We might not have hit on that. Unless I missed something. I thought the weekend at halftime was great. Huge fan of that performance. My kids were as well. Um, but I think the story was, again, as we... Maybe we should have known all along. Tom Brady was going to find another way to get done. So congratulations to him. Congratulations to the Buccaneers. To, to John Ledyard, Trevor Sikama, Carmen V, uh, Jenna Lane. All, all the Tampa Bay people I know and love. Pewter Report. All those people. Uh, tremendously happy for them. Um, Luke Easterlin. Enjoy it. Enjoy this. Um, enjoy the clicks and the content. Um, I know from, you know, the first Patriots run when they won a title, uh, back before I was making content, I was just, in, in, you know, consuming it. It's fun to go to the office the Monday after your team wins the Super Bowl, feeling a little groggy, but watching all those galleries and stuff and all the videos. So um, enjoy that, guys and girls. Um, up next, Mock Draft Monday 3.0. Um, my latest mock, my first seven-round mock, um, that's ahead here in episode 173 of The Scope Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 173 of The Sco Show. And since it is, after all, Mock Draft Monday 2.0, it's time for my first Patriots seven-round mock. On previous mocks, last week in Mock Draft Monday 1.0, I just did your first-round stuff from me. Now we're going to dive in a bit deeper, do a Patriots seven-round mock. I'm going to be using, and I basically do these live. I pull up the Draft Network using their Mock Draft machine. I click the start the draft button, and we're underway with Trevor Lawrence at one, Zach Wilson at two, Jamar Chase at three, Justin Fields at four, Petty Swell at five, and so on. I'm using their sort of predictive board. So I'm I'm rolling here, and the goal for this one is I'm just making the picks. I'm not doing trades. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just going to see what the value can be had at each spot in the draft. And we are on the clock here at 15. Interesting enough, the Draft Network lists team needs for the New England Patriots as tight end, wide receiver, interior defensive line, linebacker, quarterback, safety, offensive tackle, running back, wide receiver, interior offensive line, cornerback, and edge. That's a lot. Now, the names that are staring me at the face, the sort of top of their predictive boards available players include Micah Parsons, Christian Derrissaw, Joseph Osai, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, J.O.K. from Notre Dame, Rashad Bateman, Vera Tucker from USC, and so on. And there's also a quarterback. And it's not Mac Jones. I know there are discussions underway by some of you about Mac Jones. I will have more on Mac Jones as we go through this process. But I am not taking Mac Jones at 15. I'm taking the other quarterback that is still here. And that's Trey Lance. If the Patriots get Trey Lance at 15, I'm completely fine with that. I'd be surprised if he is there at 15, as I think he's worthy of a top 10 pick. I think in some offenses he could start week one. I've seen a lot of discussions among people on Twitter say, no, 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 he's not ready. He's not ready. He can't He can't start week one. I think in some systems he can't. And so that's what I'm doing there at 15. It's Trey Lance. Now we aren't on the clock again until 46. And now that we've gone quarterback, I think we have to start getting some weapons or some offensive line help or some tight end help or really anything. There's a number of different directions you could go. We're on the clock here. Greg Newsom, Mac Jones, Chas Surratt, Alex Leatherwood, Liam Eikenberg, Baron Brownin. Those are some of the names that have come off the board in the first, you know, the 10 previous picks to this one. Now, there's a number of directions we can go. Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State. He's available. Creed Humphrey, Landon Dickerson, um, Jay Tufeli. Those are some names that stand out to me right now. I'm going with Pat Fryermuth the Penn State tight end. And the reason why I'm doing that is I know you've already double-dipped a tight end last year. They need help at that position. And it's a 
thin tight end class after the top names. And so I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to grab Pat Frymouth, who could have been a first round pick. People call him Baby Gronk. I think there's some talent there. He's not Kyle Pitts for sure. But you have an opportunity to get a player that I think could step in and do a lot more than those guys did, particularly when you might have a quarterback in Trey Lance that you can start building around, get that relationship with. I think there's an opportunity to do some things there. And so that's the pick in the 40s. We are now up in the... This can't be right. Pick at 96. I'm guessing this was probably a comp pick because we all know they lost their third-round pick as part of that sort of latest Spygate type thing, which really wasn't. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, the wide receiver. Hunter Lawn from Boston College, the tight end. Uh, Paris Ford, the safety from Pittsburgh. Demetric Felton, the running back wide receiver from UCLA. Marvin Wilson from Florida, the interior defensive lineman. Diami Brown, the North Carolina wide receiver. He's getting a lot of buzz right now. Patrick Jones, the edge from Pittsburgh. I'm going to go wide receiver. I'm going to go Amari Rogers. I really love this kid on film. I really love this kid down in the mobile for the senior bowl. I think he can be a slot, a Z. I think he has some explosiveness, some route running ability to his game. I'm happy with that pick. We've now really addressed offense. We've got quarterback. We've got tight end. We've got wide receiver. We've improved the offensive side of the ball. Now it's time to start hunting for some defensive help. That starts here. We are on the clock again at 119. And I'm going to go with Cameron Sample, the edge from Tulane, who really jumped me on the Senior Bowl film. I've gotten a chance in the past couple of days to watch some of what he did this season. I'm going to be watching more. I'm very enticed by him as a prospect. Do I get a bit of a Trey Flowers vibe, perhaps? And to get him where we did? I'm completely excited about that. On the clock again at 137. And to take advantage of this kind of value, I think is nice. Because you've got some big names. Jonathan Cooper and Shaka Tony, the edges from Ohio State and Penn State respectively. They're available. You could also address wide receiver if you wanted to again. Anthony Schwartz, Marlon Williams. You know, there are some names that are out there. I was thinking we would go defense with this pick. But there's a name that's staring me in the face. Actually, two. Ramondre Stevenson, the running back from Oklahoma, who I think has some potential. Matt Waldman has been talking about him a ton. And there's also Shai Smith, the wide receiver uh, from South Carolina, who had a fantastic senior bowl week. He's staring me on the board. And I'm actually going to go with Shai Smith. Um, we've been... Angsty about the wide receiver unit over the past couple of years. Yes, you might be getting Julian Edelman back, but I do think you want to have a sort of hedge against that. You get that in Rodgers and Smith. That's a nice little injection of talent in the wide receiver room. Now at 143, you can get Shaka Tony, the Penn State edge, who had a bad senior bowl week, um, was arguably one of the players that struggled the most down there. But to get him, you know, at 143, I think that's tremendous value. And so I will take a bet on some of the traits. You could use them as just a pure pass rushing specialist. Pick your spots with them. I like that value. Now we are on the clock at 158. Divine Diablo, the safety from Virginia Tech. You have to sort of start hedging about you know, Patrick Chun, Devin McCourty, add some safety talent. I think that helps you 
bolster this secondary for the next couple of years. It's a nice little value selection too. There are a lot of people that are really high on him. Now we're going to be on the clock here again at 183. And I can probably predict where I'm going to go given how the board is starting to fall right now. Yep. Thomas Graham Jr., the corner from Oregon, who flashed to me at the Senior Bowl. Got a chance to watch some more of his tape the past couple of days. I'm excited about his potential. You know, if you have a Gilmore move, you might want to address corner. You've got some names in the building already. Juwan Williams, of course, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Jason McCourty. You can never have enough cornerbacks in the NFL today. I'm going to take a flyer here at 183 on Thomas Graham, the corner from Oregon. We are on the clock now at 191. Going to take another flyer at a cornerback here. Small school scorer, corners have been kind of good to the Patriots in the past. We're going to bet on that again. Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. I think he has some talent, some coverage skills, some ball hawking skills. Excited to see what he could potentially do. You know, flashed a bit at the Senior Bowl, but really showed up better on tape. And I think Belichick would love to get his hands on a player like that. And so as we wait for this sort of draft to wind down here, we're in the 200s. What we've got so far, Pat, uh, excuse me, Trey Lance, Pat Firemuth, Amari Rogers, Cameron Sample, Shai Smith, Shaka Tony, Divine Diablo, Thomas Graham Jr., Robert Rochelle. That's our draft class so far. And I'm pretty happy with it. But we do have a pick here coming up. 239 in the Draft Network's mock draft machine. And I think we'll probably take another flyer on a wide receiver here late. And it's a name that you probably will recognize, given how I talked about him a little bit during Senior Bowl coverage, and that's Trayvon Grimes. You know, both he and Josh Palmer are on the board here. Um, Palmer, I haven't done as much work on as I've had Grimes um, in the aftermath of the Senior Bowl. Watched a couple of his games, talked to Matt Waldman about him. I think there's something there with him. And so I'm going to go Grimes over Palmer here at 239. To close out this draft. And so there's my first seven round mock draft of this draft season. To recap it. Trey Lance, Pat Fryermuth, Amari Rogers, Cameron Sample, Shai Smith, Shaka Tony, Divine Diablo, Thomas Graham Jr., Robert Rochelle, Trayvon Grimes. Is it a draft I'd be happy with? I did it. So yeah. Is it what's going to happen? Absolutely not. We know how these things go. But I think that's an interesting way to look at and sort of file away as we start refining the mocks, start incorporating trades to see what can be had with the value up that is presented at each of these spots um, and the different scenarios that can unfold. I doubt that Trey Lance is there at 15. You know, And obviously this is done before free agency. If they find themselves with a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Ryan Fitzpatrick, 15 quarterback might not be as much of a need, even if Trey Lance is there. You might go a different direction. Um, I think the value provided by Trey Lance, even if you have a Garoppolo in the fold or a Fitzpatrick in the fold or somebody else, is immense. Um, to get a top-tier quarterback talent and not have to play him right away might be a good thing to do. Uh, but that's the first one. That's the one for me. Up next, your mocks to round out Mock Draft Monday, episode 173 of The Scout Show. Mark Schofield back with you on episode 173 of the SCO Show. And while Super Bowl 55 is in the rearview mirror now, all 32 teams, including Sunday night's winner, 
are trying to get to Super Bowl 56, and that includes the New England Patriots, and that includes fans of those teams, such as you and me, which leads us to the conclusion of Mock Draft Monday 3.0. You've heard my mock. Now it's time from the mocks that you guys sent in. Just a warner, just a disclaimer, if I didn't get to yours, if I missed it, if it somehow slipped, just you know, send me an EM uh, message on Twitter, however you sent it to me, jog my memory, kick me in the teeth, whatever. If it slipped through the cracks, my sincerest apologies. Uh, kicking it off, like I said, with the ones I got via Twitter. Um, this first one comes to us from Mike Rubin, who is at R-U-U-U-U-U-B-I-N on the Twitter machine. Uh, did one with mocks. Um, excuse me, not with mocks. Of course it's a mock. It's a mock draft. Did one with trades via the Pro Football Network mock draft simulator. Uh, traded out of the first round. Uh, at 40, Mac Jones. At 43, Pat Frymuth. At 46, Amon Ross St. Brown. I really dig that start. Uh, Chaz Surratt at 78, the linebacker from North Carolina. also like that pick. Athletic kid. Seth Williams, the wide receiver from Auburn at 108. Marvin Wilson, 114, defensive tackle from Florida State. Kay Johnson at 145. Garrett Wallow, linebacker from TCU at 158. And Robert Hainsey at 174. Um, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, who I thought had a pretty good week down at Mobile, I'd be stunned if he's there at 174. And if he is, I think you go get him in a heartbeat. Fantastic job there uh, from Mike Rubin sending that in. Again, give him a follow on the old Bird app. Next one comes to us from uh, Patriots, who is at Patriots 7353634. Um, he sent it in a couple last week. Uh, now we got another mock draft from him. Here's what he did. Kyle Pitts, Florida tight end at 15. Carlos Basham, the edge from Wake at 46. Third round comp pick, Kyle Trask. I, I'm i okay with that. Um, he puts it here in his notes that he's a big believer in Trask. At the third round price, I'm all in. I'm a fan of that. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, the wide receiver at, in, at 111 in the fourth round. Fourth round comp, Baron Browning uh, from Ohio State. Uh, fifth round pick at 142, Darius Stills, West Virginia defensive lineman. Kay Johnson in fifth round comp pick. In round six at 173, Devon Diablo, the Virginia Tech defensive back. Um, he points out here in his notes on the pick that he stood out the senior bowl. I would agree with that. Uh, sixth round, Jacoby Stevens, LSU hybrid defender. Um, he slipped, as he points out in the notes here. Um, a lot of people thought he might be in sort of an early day two pick. Um, but to get him here at the sixth round with a comp pick, it's great value. Robert Jones to round it out at 207. I liked Jones at the Senior Bowl, um, so I'm a fan of that pick here as well, especially at the 207 spot. So really nice job there by Patriots again on Twitter at Patriots73536342. Next one via Twitter, Danny Dalton at HouseDalton04. Made some trades, moved around a bit. Let's click on the trades here first. Near as I could tell, trade with the Bengals is the biggest one. Uh, sent the pick at 15 and a future first for the pick at 5. Also sent a pick in the third round at 19 and in the fourth round at 15 in those rounds to get the 301, uh, the first pick in the third round. Uh, sent picks in the fourth and the fifth to get the third pick in the fourth round from Atlanta. And sent the pick at, in the 14th spot in the second round to get picks at 20 in the second round. And then a pick at 19 in the third round. And the results from that, 
from Danny Dalton at House Dalton04. Zach Wilson, fifth overall. I'll take it. Lavian Collins, the Tulsa hybrid defender at 52. Pat Frymuth at 65. Amari Rogers at 97. Tyler Shelvin at 105. Shaka Tony at 104. Continue to see Tony just fall. Um, but if you're and if you can get a guy that could just rush the passer with a somewhat limited skill set, but you know he can at least do that, that's okay. You know, he might get swallowed up by better offensive tackles, but pure speed, design some stuff for him. He can contribute. I'm fine with that at 141. Aaron Banks, the other Notre Dame lineman who had a great senior bowl week at 192. And Drew Dowman, the Stanford center at 237. Just a tremendous job, especially, look, if you send me a mock draft that has us getting one of the big four QBs, you know it's getting on the air. So, I mean, do with that information what you will. Next walk comes to us from the great Russell Easterbrooks. Um, always so friendly um, via the email and the Slack channel. Always great to hear from Russell. Um, he's got a PFN mock via their mock draft simulator with a couple of trades. 15 sent to the Raiders for 17 and 80. And then 17 sent to the Steelers for 24 and 87. And here are the picks from Russell. Zavin Collins, the Tulsa hybrid defender at 24. Wyatt Davis at 46. That's an, that's tremendous value. I like Wyatt Davis. I think he gets into the first round. I've had him to the Chiefs in both of my first round mocks that I've done so far. Dwayne Eskridge at 80. Nico Collins at 87. Two great wide receivers there. Marvin Wilson seeing that name again at 114. Damar Hamlin, the pit safety at 145. Double dip at quarterback here at 174 and 176 with Sam Ellinger and Brady White. And then Riley Patterson, who Russell has picked before, the Memphis kicker at 209. Tremendous there from Russell. Really like that mock, too. Like the way you played those scenarios. Now we spin it forward to the mock draft channel at the Scoso Slack channel. And again, if you'd like to be a member of the Slack channel, I was just poking around here a couple minutes ago. There's discussions about WandaVision in one channel, uh, cooking in another one. Like We, we cover everything in there. Um, and the men and women in the Scoso Slack channel just crushing it 24-7. It's a ton of fun, and I'm not even in there all the time. Um, again, like I said before, if you want to chat with Pats fans and football fans and do film breakdowns and things like that and discuss prospects 24-7 and not hear my annoying voice, if that sounds appealing to you, the Scotia Slack channel might be your spot. Um, this one came in late last Sunday, so I couldn't get it into last Sun last Monday's show, but it's from Jared, so I wanted to kick off with this via the Mock Draft Machine at the Draft Network. Micah Parsons at 15, Trevon Moen, the safety from TCU at, at 47, Marvin Wilson at 96, Shaka Tony at 119, Jalen Twyman at 137, Cornell Powell, the Clemson wide receiver at 143, Malcolm Kuntz, the edge at 158, Demetric Felton, the running back slash wide receiver from UCLA at 183, Bryce Thompson, the corner at 191, and Trayvon Grimes, the Florida wide receiver to close it out at 239. Then we got... A combo job from Josh and Jim Reynolds. Uh, they got together on the FanSpeak Ultimate GM to do a mock draft together. Of the results, Micah Parsons at 20, Creed Humphrey at 46, Diami Brown, the wide receiver from North Carolina at 77, Northwestern Corner, Greg Newsom at 92, Tyler Shelvin at 96, Shaka Tony at 97, Nazman Nilsredin, the Florida State Safety at 122. And again, a lot of people are putting parentheses next to their names and their handles in the Slack channel. 
with their sort of disclaimer about what they want the Patriots to do. And given that Josh's is Avery Thomas or bust, you can expect any mock draft for Josh to have Avery Thomas in there. And at 131, Michigan corner, Avery Thomas. Adarius Washington, TCU safety at 150. Kellen Mond at 155. KJ Britt, Auburn backer at 176. Kenny Yoba, Mississippi tight end at 193. Ben Mason, 232. The Michigan fullback and Marquez Stevenson, the Houston wide receiver at 235. Tremendous stuff from Josh and Jim there and a little tag team effort. Looks like another group effort was submitted by Josh and company, again via the Fanspeak Ultimate GM. Zach Wilson at 12, Kyle Pitts at 18, Nick Bolton, the Missouri linebacker at 52, Michael Carter at 89, Amari Rogers at 191, Ambry Thomas, 121, Nazman Nils Redeen at 142, Terrell Slayton, the Florida defensive lineman at 160, Colvin Lannon, Wisconsin offensive lineman at 168, heard his name before, Matt Bushman, the BYU tight end at 194. I remember... Years ago, I was in a dynasty fantasy league at the college level with Thor Nystrom and others, and eventually the time sucked just to be too much. Um, but Matt Bushman was my tight end when he was a freshman the first year I did that. I'm old, man. Uh, ben Mason, to round this one out, at 237. Another great job by Josh and everybody in that one. Jim Reynolds submitted another ultimate GM Mock draft from Fanspeak, where he did a ton of stuff in free agency as well. Um, made some moves, signed David Andrews, Shirley Calhoun, Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, Dante Hightower, J.C. Jackson, Corey Davis, Sam Tevy, Carl Lawson, Raekwon McMillan, Tyrell Williams, Marcus Mariota, um, Derek Wolf, Curtis Samuel, Matt Slater. So you got some moves there in free agency. Uh, moved around a bit in the draft. First pick was at 22, J.C. Horn, the South Carolina corner. Uh, 54, Alex Leatherwood, the Alabama offensive tackle. I think that's a good spot for him in the draft. Najee Harris at 60. That's tremendous. If you can get Najee Harris at 60, I almost don't care about the rest of the draft. Uh, Nick Bolton at 84. Diamond Brown at 97. Ali McNeil, the NC State defensive lineman at 112. Jabril Cox at 135. Richie Grant from UCF, the safety at 141. Patrick Johnson, Tulane Edge at 150. Uh, Felton from UCLA at 155. Hamlin, the Pittsburgh safety at 192. And Davis Mills, the Stanford QB in the seventh round at 237. He's getting a lot of buzz. Daniel Jeremiah, uh, I think it was Jeremiah, or... Dane Brugler, one or the other. I always get those two confused when I spin by them on the timeline. One of the two was talking about Davis Mills and his traits um, on Twitter this week. And so he might get a little bit of buzz as we get closer to the draft. But tremendous work there from Jim Reynolds. I uh, really love the work that went into that one. Another fan speak ultimate GM from Josh. Remember, expect some Avery Thomas in there. Uh, Zach Wilson at 12. Trevor Morin at 33. Xavier Collins at 46. Pat Frymuth at 59. Michael Carter at 74, Dami Brown at 83, Amari Rogers 98, Tyler Shelvin at 112, Shaka Tony at 122, Ben Cleveland, the Georgia interior offensive lineman at 131. I thought he looked really good on film, backed it up at times at the Senior Bowl, so I like that pick. Avery Thomas at 135, Damar Hamlin at 158, Dylan Raddance at 171? That's incredible. I'll take that in a heartbeat. K.J. Britt at 190, the Auburn backer, Marquez Stevenson at 233, and Ben Mason at 237. Love that from Josh. I'll, that's a home run, that entire draft. Um, so tremendous job there by Josh in the Scotia Slack channel. Send it in that mock. John Limbarakis, he trades up. 
Uh, at six, Justin Fields. Uh, then we don't pick again until the third round, the 33 spot on the third round. James Hudson, the Cincinnati offensive tackle. Baron Browning, Darius Washington, and Ambry Thomas in the fourth. Daz Newsom in the fifth. Quinn Minerts in the sixth. Marquez Stevenson in the seventh. I'm, okay, if you're trading up to get Fields, you know, you're going to see some, you're going to have to settle and hit some home runs later in the draft. And I think John did that. Um, you know, Newsom and Stevenson, those guys are burners to get those guys on the late in the day three. Love it. So big fan of that. Good job, John. Another combo effort um, for your fan speaks ultimate GM. Uh, Josh, Jim Reynolds, and Chuck A got together for this one. Um, did some trades, moved around a bit. At 112, Zach Wilson, 33, Zavin Collins, 45, Pat Frymuth, 55, Dylan Raddance, uh, 77, Diami Brown, 78, Amari Rogers, 87, Michael Carter, 98, Tyler Shelvin, 117, Amory Thomas, gotta expect that, Damar Hamlin at 150, Adarius Washington, 158, Drake Jackson, the center from Kentucky, 208, Racy McMath, LSU wideout at 237, and Ben Mason to round it out at 251. Getting a fullback just seems to make sense. It just does. I know Jakob Johnson flashed, but I, I do think you might see Ben Mason come to New England. It just screams Belichick. Calvin sends in his via the Draft Network's mock draft machine. Gregory Rousseau at 15. Pat Frymuth at 47. Tylen Wallace. Oklahoma State wideout at 96. Janarius Robinson, the edge who flashed at the senior bowl at 119. Daz Newsom, the burner at 137. Trey Brown, Oklahoma corner at 143. Tedderell Slayton, the defensive tackle from Florida, 158. Drake Jackson, another that interior offensive lineman from Kentucky at 183. Cole Van tackle from Wisconsin at 191. Racy McMath, LSU wideout at 239. Great job there by Calvin. Richard sends in this mock, which the fans loved in the channel. Uh, Zach Wilson at 15. Davion Nixon, defensive lineman from Iowa at 46. Deontay Brown, the mammoth offensive guard at 97. Aaron Robinson, UCF corner who's getting a ton of attention. I was on uh, with the Cleveland Browns uh, after this, prior to the Senior Bowl. I forget exactly when uh, he was one of the first players they asked about. Had me shuffling through my notes quickly. Uh, Shy Smith, one thirty-five. Dylan Raditz at one forty-one. Adi Ojendi, the defensive lineman edge from Notre Dame at one fifty-five. Deontay Smith, East Carolina offensive tackle at ninety-two, and Ben Mason again, fullback from Michigan at two thirty-seven. I could see why the people love that one. Fantastic job there, Richard. Jim Reynolds, another one via the fan speak, ultimate GM. Uh, Zach Wilson at 11, Rashad Bateman at 47, Alex Leatherwood at 51. J.O.K., the Notre Dame edge at 78. I've, I've got people, I, I think he's like going in the top 15 at 78. Sign me up. Drake Jackson at 96, Jabil Cox at 97, Davion Nixon at 102, Basham at 122. Diami Brown at 131. Mela with a Syracuse safety at 141. I'm, I'm seeing people talk about him like a top 50 player. This draft is incredible. Felton at 155. Dax Mine at uh, 192. The BYU wide receiver and Damar Hamlin at 237. That's a, tr that's a home run draft right there. That might be this week's winner. That's incredible. Josh, another fans big ultimate draft. Expect some Amory Thomas. And you get it. But at 12, Zach Wilson, Trevor Mowing to kick off the second round. 
Also in the 13th spot of the second round, Xavier Collins. Michael Carter, also in the second round. Ninth spot in the third round, Dylan Raddins. Amari Rogers to close out the third, along with Tyler Shelvin. Pete Warner, the Ohio State backer in the fourth round. And Ambry Thomas from Michigan, as you would expect, in the fourth round. Fifth round gets you Damar Hamlin, Darius Washington, and Keith Taylor, the Washington corner uh, in the sixth. Cornell Powell in the sixth. And Racy McMath, again, in the sixth round. So that's a tremendous job there. Again, like I've said, if you can get Zach Wilson, you're getting your one red on the show. Last one from this week, uh, John Limarakis uh, at nine with some trades. Justin Fields at 47. Jason Olway, the edge from Penn State at 99. James Hudson, the offensive tackle from Cincinnati. 143, Kenneth Gainwell, running back from Memphis. 158, Cade Johnson. At 191, Jimmy Morrissey, the interior offensive lineman from Pittsburgh. 239, Malik Heron, interior defensive tackle from Georgia. Fan of that mock as well. So, tremendous job by John. Tremendous job by everybody. Um, love the mocks. Keep sending them in. Keep sending them over. Um, I'm a huge fan of them. I can't get enough of them. Um, I did want to sort of close with this show with um, something that you probably saw, something you probably seen over this weekend. Um one of the co-hosts of the Around the NFL podcast, Chris Wesselin, uh, passed away at the age of 46, uh, leaving behind um, his lovely wife, his new son Lincoln, um, and just a, a football industry that I will tell you is shattered. Um, when I just first started out um, at Inside the Pylon, as an absolute, absolute nobody, um, one of the first big-named people to follow me on Twitter and start sharing out my work and start supporting me was Chris Wesselin. Um, and you talk to anybody in this industry, they will tell you the same thing, that Chris was one of the first people to reach out and support them. You know, my football media group chats on Saturday afternoon and Saturday night were just a mesh of men and women just shattered by this. You can't come across anybody that had a bad word to say about Chris. And there have been people, Doug Farrar, Matt Waldman, Dan Hatman, everybody at ITP when we started, that are certainly integral to where I am right now, that have literally put money in my pocket and food on my table. And I will never be able to thank those people enough. You know, Doug Farrar, Matt ha- Dan Hatman, Matt Waldman, um, everybody at ITP at the start. Um, I can never thank them enough. Um, but Chris was one of the first, if not the literal first, to follow me, to support me. And he, he's just a, he was an absolute legend. He was an absolute legend. And when I finally got the chance to meet him at last year's Combine, I, it felt like I was meeting a rock star. That's literally how it felt. And all I wanted to do was shake his hand and just thank him. But like he did on the timeline, he just took the time to talk to me to ask me questions about quarterbacks and prospects and the combine. and That's how he was with everybody. And he was a rock star. Somebody that also sort of worked his way up to become just a valued and trusted and respected and revered voice and a tremendous writer and a tremendous human being. But in that like brief, you know, twenty-minute conversation I had with him, he made me feel like I was the I was the important one. But he did that with everybody. 
and I am shattered by this. I am gutted by this. Um, cancer sucks. It absolutely sucks. And you've probably seen that there's a GoFundMe float around um, for his wife, for his young son. Um, if you can, at least share it around yourself. If you can contribute, that'd be fantastic um, because we need to lift them up now. Chris, I can't say enough good words about this man. And I'm shattered. The football community is shattered. His co-workers, his colleagues, his friends, his loved ones, they're all shattered. This is just heartbreaking. And to end this on a more positive note, this is another reminder that we should cherish what we have. I, I said earlier this year, um, you know, that grace and gratitude are basically my additions to my New Year's resolutions that I want to approach every interaction with more grace. And I want to have gratitude for the things that I'm lucky enough to have in my life. More gratitude because I'm, I have things in my life that I don't, I don't deserve. I get to do this. I get people that actually care about what I say about a game. And I get to do it professionally for a living full time. I wake up every morning grateful that I can do that, but it's still probably enough because I don't deserve it. Um, and I'm in tremendously lucky to have a healthy family, healthy extended family. Um, I'm incredibly lucky. And the passing of Chris is another reminder that we get one crack at this thing called life. And you have to make the most of it. And Chris Westland made the most of his every day, every moment. To the point where when you have little absolute strangers that never met the man sending in letters to his family, sending his praises because he deserved it, you've led a full life. And we should honor him. We should lift him up. We should lift up his family. Um, keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Help them if you can. Um, and then just learn to cherish what you have, to be grateful for what you have, and to keep his memory alive in that way. I think that would be another ultimate tribute to one of the ultimate men I've ever known. So um, rest in heaven, Chris. Um, an entire industry mourns you, um, but we will remember you. Stay safe, friends. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sit along and bless those patriots' reign down in Florida.